Well, hey everyone, and welcome to episode number 16 of our Christ in the Crisis Book of Acts video devotional series. Today, Monday, May 11th, a little cold out there today, but uh, welcome and thank you for tuning in. Maybe you're watching live, maybe you're going to watch or listen to a recording, but thank you for joining with us, and we do this Monday to Friday uh, until the weekend of May the 31st, which is uh, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, maybe you don't even know what that is, Pentecost Sunday, but you'll find out on May the 31st. And uh, on that day, you're actually going to be quizzed on this material online through an electronic game that we're going to play over the internet. And the winner is going to receive a very nice prize, a brand new iPad, which I will mail to your house. Uh, no strings attached, but you do have to win the contest, okay? So that's a little incentive for you. And as usual, I will put that announcement on the screen with our fancy technology here. Uh, so we are going through the book of Acts in the Bible's New Testament. If you are new to the Bible, uh, if you can navigate your way to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, the stories of Jesus, and then we see the book of Acts, which is not that well known, unfortunately. And this is the picture, the snapshot of the early believers, the early followers of Christ, the new community, the, 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 the church, the gathering of believers around the Lord Jesus. And so we see how they behave in times of crisis, in times of persecution, um, in all kinds of uh, uh, situations. And we discover some great uh, uh, tools and even secrets of how to deal with crises that we face today. Uh, these were people just like us, uh, 20 centuries removed in a different culture, different time, but people just like us and people for the most part are the same. And so there's a lot of lessons that we can learn uh, the book of Acts is 28 chapters long, so we're trying to take big chunks on weeknights here, uh, and it's not that easy to do, and it isn't tonight because we are in Acts chapter 9. So we have finished chapter 8, which was the ministry of Philip, and the last thing that happened to Philip was that he was miraculously moved from one geographical place to another after his... Um, uh, ministry to an Ethiopian high-standing official uh, treasurer, which led to him his conversion and uh, his baptism. And the moment that he's baptized in water, uh, God uh, miraculously, and this happens uh, very rarely in the Bible. In fact, I cannot remember any time that it happened except this one time in the book of Acts chapter 8. There may be another similar but i have not found it yet um so this is a very odd thing that happens and um one of the many miraculous and supernatural things that happen in the book of acts on that subject you know you you literally have to throw the whole book of acts out if you're going to discount the miraculous and the supernatural it is on almost every single page and it is remarkable even though it takes place over a span of about four decades and 35 years or so uh, it is remarkable to see the power of God at work in these people's lives. And Jesus was not there. Jesus was not physically present. And you see 
the power of God through the Holy Spirit through them. So here we're introduced to one of the most famous people uh, in the New Testament, the writer of more than half of the New Testament, Saul. Uh, We sometimes call him Paul. That's his Roman name. He's a Jew. Uh, The name that he would go by would be Saul. Uh, And so, no, his name didn't change when he started following Jesus from Saul to Paul. Uh, One is the way that he would he would address a Gentile crowd, Paul or Saul in his Jewish uh, culture, Jewish context. Okay, so in uh, chapter nine, verse one, we see, meanwhile, in other words, okay, we cut from uh, Philip's ministry and Luke kind of switches gears and he goes back to Saul. Saul oversaw the brutal stoning of Stephen. In Acts chapter 6, he was a young man at the time. And here we see, meanwhile, Saul was still, so picking up on Saul's life, breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. I mean, he wanted the followers of Jesus to lose their lives. He went to the high priest. He asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. Uh, so that any of so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, i.e., in Damascus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So it, you know it's kind of ironic. It's almost like a virus he was trying to stop. You know we talk about the virus today. Well, I mean it started in Jerusalem back then. This uh, this new view of Jesus Christ as deity uh, risen from the dead and the Messiah. And so Saul wants to stop it. He wants to see if there's anybody who's going to, who's already a follower of this new way in uh, Damascus and see if he can pick off any letters, intercept them, find the alleged recipients, bring them back to Jerusalem and uh, put them in prison. Nasty, uh, uh, very, very uh, violent. And he wanted to squelch this new movement. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, very interesting words, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, he asked. And and the voice says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. And the men traveling with Saul they, it's the scripture says that they stood there. They didn't say anything. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anything. Paul, uh, Saul gets up from the ground, uh, and when he opens his eyes, he can't see. So he's blind. They lead him by the hand into the city, into Damascus, and for three days he's blind. He didn't eat. He didn't drink. In Damascus, he runs into a follower of Jesus named Ananias, a man who he probably would have had thrown into prison. And uh, God calls to Ananias in a vision. It says, Ananias. And Ananias answers him, and, and God tells him, You go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. That's you. Come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And so Ananias obeys. And he says, well, hold on, Uh, you know, I've heard many reports about this man and all that he's done to your people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with the authority of the chief priest to arrest all who call on him. Are you sure? And uh, the Lord says, go, this man 
is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, that's non-Jewish people, and their kings, and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And we'll just stop there for tonight. Now, this is an incredible moment because Saul had absolutely no interest, zero percent interest in following the way of Jesus. Absolutely zero percent interest. He wanted to stop the movement. He wanted to stop it violently. uh, And he wanted to stop it in the name of God, in the name of Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. He wanted this movement stopped. You are not talking about a non-religious person when you talk about Saul. You're talking about an intensely religious person, a very zealous person for the law of Moses, uh, for the Tanakh, for the Torah. He knew his Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament today, extremely well. Um, he, you learn more about him as you read the New Testament. He was highly intelligent. He was highly educated. And he wanted to stop this movement, and he felt he had very good reason to do so. And uh, so there's no, this isn't someone seeking after the way of Jesus. This is someone wanting to destroy it and destroy the people who were followers of Jesus. And yet God chooses this man and, and stops him dead in his tracks, blinds him, on the way to the city of Damascus to persecute those who are followers of Jesus. Very interesting that this voice, which is the voice of Jesus, says to him, why do you persecute me? When you persecute the church, you're persecuting me, is the implication there. And so there's, a, there's this transformation that we're going to see take place in this man's life, and it was not his choosing to to go that route. It is is purely the sovereign, divine will of God to stop this man, to arrest this man, to get a hold of his life, and to radically turn it around. He would become the greatest church planter. He would become the most articulate defender of Christianity. He would write more than half of what we have now today in the New Testament. He would he would make an impact that we still to this day are experiencing because, again, we have the New Testament. Um, and this is a remarkable lesson for us because it teaches us, yes, uh, we... We uh, uh, come to a point in life where we make a decision about Jesus, where we make a decision about God who has revealed himself to us. But also, God has the ability and the power to arrest and to get a hold of somebody's life, 
even somebody who's as far from God as you possibly could be. And this is what he does in the life of Saul, or we sometimes call him Paul. And so maybe that's you on the other end of this camera. Maybe, maybe your experience is that God has gotten a hold of me. It wasn't me seeking after God. It was God got a hold of my life and God arrested my life. Or maybe maybe it was something where you, over a period of time, you came to a place where you realized that you needed Jesus in your life. And maybe you're on the other side of this camera. And I hope those who are who are followers of Jesus are sharing this feed and sharing it to non-Christian people. Uh, maybe you don't have this at all. And maybe you're just experimenting and looking around on the Internet and, you know, you discover this kind of weird thing, a Bible study on the book of Acts that you've never heard of. Let me tell you, you're not watching this by accident. There is a reason, uh, and that is that God is calling you. And Paul will write in the New Testament about the call of God. And this is because this is exactly what he experienced. Experienced. And that's how powerful God is. He is able to arrest the life of the person who is the farthest from him. And uh, that is that is how loving he is. And that is how powerful he is. So we'll pick it up tomorrow and try and advance a little quicker here in Acts chapter 9. But there is just so much going on. And you'll see this in Acts 9, Acts 10, Acts 11. I challenge you to, to keep reading. The book of Acts is like an action story. I sometimes call it the book of action. I mean, you could just read it and read it and read it. You read it so fast. Uh, so I would encourage you to do that. Keep tracking with us. Keep sharing this feed. Check us out online at citypointchurch.ca. And God bless you.